Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat the Designer. Bear Down Bears fans, welcome into another episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. I'm your host, Pat the Designer, back at it again on a Wednesday with J Mac in the building, Jason McKee. J Mac, what's going on, man? You got a lot of camps going on. You got a lot of kids running around here getting ready for football season in high school. How are you feeling, man? You tired? Yeah, I feel, I feel good. You know, this time of year is always bittersweet. So the reason being is you lose. You know, your seniors. So we had graduation Friday. Yeah. I lost a good group of seniors who really helped us lay the foundation with our program. They really helped us uh, to turn the corner. But, you know, we always talk about leadership on our podcast and how important it is to a locker room yeah. and a team. You know, those guys graduating really provided great leadership and helped us, helped us to uh, be able to bring this program along. But so losing those guys, you lose them. But at the same time, you know, it, it starts all over again. We got high school, summer camp which is all summer practice coming up. Yeah. Um, a lot of our kids are going on to college uh, college camps this summer. So it's a busy time for us. It's slow in the NFL, but it's not slow in terms of a high school football road. It's just, it just getting started. Oh, high school summer camps. I remember the one that I attended. My shoulder remembers it as well. <laughs> that was that was the beginning and end of my actual on the field football career. I t- you know what? I tell that story at halftime. That was a good. That's a good good little tease to yeah, start please, it off. Please, because please, I ain't gonna yeah, lie to man. you, bro. Hey, it's, it 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 is the dumbest. Looking back as an adult, it's the dumbest story ever. Because I just thought as a kid I was invincible. So we'll talk about that. We got to talk about this press conference that we had press conferences from a ton of the coaches today. Uh, heard from Alan Williams, heard from Richard Hightower, heard from Coach Flus about some of the different things that, that have been going on at OTAs and on the field. Of course, we got to talk about some of the no shows and how the coaches are kind of listen. Alan Williams basically was just like, mm, well, Y'all know what it is, but I'm not going to say mm-hmm. that. Uh, I thought that uh, Flus did a did an excellent job talking about Justin Fields, bringing out uh, his work ethic. We'll get into that in the first quarter. And then uh, I think just looking at how the, the Bears still are maintaining that they're interested in a lot of free agents. Who could be on that list? We'll talk about all that more on today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. EO, let's get into the fourth quarter, man. First quarter, first, fourth quarter. I'm jumping straight to the end. Tweaking right now. First quarter. First quarter, bro. It's a, it's a gloomy day out here, man. You know what I mean? Like the sun is like just gone outside. The, the vibe is thrown off a little bit. I got to get the vibe. We're all good. We know. We know. We're good. We know we're going with it. Let's get into it. <laughs> so uh, Coach Flus talked at the beginning of uh, – or kind of in the middle of the press conference, basically, about Justin Fields and his improvement that he's seen this offseason, um, how basically he's been able to come in and be able to uh, attack the game a little bit different, focus on the game a little bit different. He's he seems to be a little bit more crisp. We got the we got the soundbite on that. Let's play the soundbite real quick on how he was talking about. I think I think the latter. I think it is detectable uh, when you're out there. Um, you can see him going through his reads quicker, uh, no, uh, reading the coverages on the snap and uh, processing and where to go with the football. And again, it's been working with his footwork. Um, you know, and his, his release, and he's been doing a great job with all those things, and uh, we're excited where he is right now. And is some of that to be expected in year two? And, and if so, how do you measure kind of what's above and beyond just natural progression that you think goes? 
Yeah, I think some of it is expected just from the experience of last year. But I would say this, that uh, no one's worked harder than him in this offseason, um, starting in February. You know, he's been was working on his own, studying uh, different quarterbacks and really understanding of what he needed to improve on, you know, given from the coaches, from Janoko and Luke and myself, uh, to be able to really take that next step. So, J-Mac, when you hear those comments about how Justin Fields has kind of been trying to take that next step, the work that he's been putting in, does that give you the feeling that there is going to be a step from Justin Fields, or is this just OTA talks? No, I think he's going to take the, – the improvement comes about because, like we talked about before, it's just his second year in the system. So he understands the plays. He understands his responsibility. You know, he can he can progress faster because he understands his reads in terms of the route concept. So he's just more comfortable. And when you're more comfortable in the system, you, that gives you the ability to play faster. You know, it's not foreign to him. You know, the first year in the system, you're just trying to get the terminology down. You know, you're used to one system where, you know, a corner route was called one thing, but in, in a new system, it may be called a different thing. Or, or, you know, that route concept, you know, you may have named it one thing the previous year, and then, you know, you go to a different name, which could change the whole route concept and the way you're going to go about your progressions and the reads in terms of that concept. So just with him being comfortable in terms of uh, the terminology and just being, you know, having a, a, a bigger grasp and understanding of the offense is going to enable him to play faster and to be able to be more detail-oriented but then you have that understanding and now you go back and work on your fundamentals. You know, he talked about his footwork. You know, you talk about him having great footwork. So that way, you know, he can be accurate and, and be in rhythm and, and on time, you know, making certain throws that's required uh, based upon some of the things that they may have in place. So you, you, you add all that together and you should see a, a huge step just because he has a better grasp and understanding you know, of this offense. I think it's going to be interesting really to see. I, I, I know OTAs is kind of just like the time where, you know, you're, you're trying to get yourself back in rhythm. You're just going through the motions, trying to figure out where you're supposed to be in the system, all of that stuff, right? But I think it's interesting to see, you know, that they can visibly see a difference in Justin Fields already. They can visibly see, like you said, the confidence being different, his quickness to go through reads, right? Like the... There's a there is a bigger change that a lot of people don't talk about that Justin has to make coming to the league because in college, one of his indictments was that he was a guy who liked to wait for the big play to open up. He liked to use his legs to allow that big play to open up so that he could take a deep shot. You don't have that many of those opportunities in the NFL. The guys on the other side are a lot faster. So there is a change that needs to come in Justin Fields game. And it's good to hear that at a minimum, right? It seems like he's going through his reads a lot. Lot quicker. There are times where I thought he got locked on reads last season, and yeah. I feel like that it, it's good to hear that um, he he's improving the footwork in that because I think that that means you know if, if he's able to deliver the ball a lot quicker, if he's able to attack the defense a lot quicker, that'll open up more opportunities where the defense is on their heels instead of trying to just be like he's going to take off and run. We got to attack him. Yeah, and you know defenses are so complex in the NFL, you know, coverages are disguised and they're complex, uh, obviously designed to confuse quarterbacks. But when you have a, like in the NFL to be an elite quarterback, right. You have to have anticipation and you have to be able to throw receivers open. You know, if you're staring down a receiver and you wait for him to get open, that ball is going to be, it's going to be broken up or it's going to be intercepted because it's, it's, it's that second of, of, hesi of, of hesitating to where you're going to put that ball, you know, in, in harm's way. Uh, so with him having, like I said before, him having a better understanding and a grasp on in the passing game in terms of the route concepts, 
he knows where his chest pieces is going to be. So therefore he can throw that ball before that receiver is coming out of his break, you know, and, and he can anticipate, you know, the receivers being in the right spot. So that ball's coming out. So you know, you've got a receiver now with DJ Moore, if he's running a comeback and that ball's out before he comes out of his break. And by the time he turns his head around, that ball is there. And when you have that type of precision, that type of timing and that type of chemistry with your receivers, I mean, that makes the passing game deadly. And if you don't have that, you're going to be behind. And that's something that we saw last year, like you said, uh, Pat, with him waiting to see the receiver and, and see him open instead of throwing him open. Yeah. And I think that comes that comes about with you know him being uncomfortable in the scheme last year, him trying to understand the scheme. You know, it's tough going from one scheme to another. And with him not having that grasp and being new in this system, you know, he's still trying to find his way. He's in a huddle just trying to get the play call right. You know what I'm saying? Just to make sure, you know, he's understanding the terminology and, and, and things of that nature. So with him having a grasp, it's going to be easier. And now he can just go out there and play football, and which is going to enable him to play faster. And not having to think about what he's doing. Now he can just go out there and just play good high-level football. How much do you feel is on him to take a step? How much do you feel is on the team around him to keep him upright for him to be able to take that step? Because I've mentioned this a couple of times on this podcast. I've seen guys, right, who are the, uh, I guess you will, we'll call them the elites of the NFL right now, right, where the situation wasn't perfect. I, I can look at a bunch of situations with Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, where they were still able to make play. Lamar Jackson had an MVP season. I can't tell you who his second best wide receiver was on the team. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like, sure. is it on? Is it on? Is it more on Justin to adjust himself to the NFL, or is it on his teammates around him to basically? Is it on the offensive line? Is it on the the the, the running backs in the backfield to help keep him upright a lot longer? It's on everybody collectively. You know, offense is about all eleven execute. You know, it's all eleven have to be on the same page, have to be doing their job in order to make one play work. Yeah, and yeah. You know, with Justin, I know with quarterbacks, obviously, if you keep them upright, you keep their jerseys from getting dirty, they're going to they're gonna have more confidence. And, and the more confident they are, you know, the better chance that they have in making plays. Yeah. So, you know, with Justin, as he gets comfortable in the system, right, and if you're able to keep him upright, his confidence is going to be sky high. And we know he's tough. We saw the hits he took last year. You know, he played through injury. He's a tough guy. He's done that his whole career. Even at Ohio State, he played through injury. Um, I don't know if you remember uh, – in a bowl game, they played Clemson. He got crushed running up. Yeah, he broke his ribs. Yeah, he broke his ribs, and he stayed in the game. So he, yeah. he's the ultimate competitor. He's been competing his whole life. He's been on he's been on a pedestal his whole life. He was a number one recruit coming out of high school. You know, went to Georgia, transferred from Georgia to Ohio State, and then you know you're in Ohio State's a, a program which everybody has their eyes on you. So he's been in that limelight his whole his whole career. So I I don't think. Pressure-wise, he's had that pressure his entire career. I think he's used to it. Yeah. Um, his toughness, I'm not going to question his toughness, but it's on everybody as a whole. Like you said, the backs, you got to do a better job of, of picking up the blitz. Offense, my offensive line, you got to make sure. No demo back there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to make sure you understand the protection call, the receivers. You got to get open. You got to get open against whatever coverage is out there. If it's press, you got to beat your man one-on-one. Um, you know, if it's zone, you got to find the hole in the zone and make sure that you're running your route on time, and it's Justin's responsibility to get that ball there on time with anticipation. How quick does that decision have to be made from him, though, right? Like, I think that's the one thing that I looked at last year where I was just like, he's taking way too long to make a decision on either throwing the ball or to take off and run or to try, you know, like, I, I felt like when you when you watched him, 
he was still trying to, like you said, he was trying to let the receivers get open. He was trying to process all the information that was in front of him. How quick is that? Uh, 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 how quick does that decision need to be made? Is it as the second you snap the ball, you need to know you're going one to three? Or is it, you know, okay, if the O-line gives me the time, I can sit back here and chill for a little bit. Yeah, I think that depends on, you know, the route concept, whether if it's quick game, well, then, hey, we know that ball's got to be out quick. You know, if it's if it's a drop back route concept, then you know you have a little bit more time. But, you know, the decision, I think with him, you know, he has to make that decision and go with it. I think yeah. just because, you know, in the media, we've all been talking about he's got to improve on the passing game and he's got to be better in the passing game. Like, got to stick he's got to stay true to himself and he's got to trust his abilities that got him to where he is today. So if that requires him to run and, and, you know, we don't want him to run his extra, but if that requires him to run, then he's going to have to run. You know, he can't sit in that pocket and say, you know what, I've got to be a better passer and I'm holding the ball, holding the ball because in this league, if you're a quarterback and you pat that ball twice, (laughs) you're probably going to get sacked. So (laughs) You're going to get sacked. So I, I think to answer your question, it just depends upon, you know, what play is called, uh, what route what route concept is called in the yeah. Quick game, get the ball out quick. You know, you should be able to come to the line and look at the coverage based upon the route concept. And like you said, the elite ones, they already know where they want to go with the ball yeah. based on what the defense is giving you. You already know. Um, so that's some of the things that the growth and maturity that we need to see with Justin Fields this season. But like you said before, it's going to take – it's not – the pressure is not just on him. It's, it's his whole supporting cast that's around him, and, and, and they've done a good job of making sure that he has pieces around him so that way it can accelerate that process. Let's hope it does, man, because, I mean, I, I think that he's – I really do have this – I don't know if it's just Bears optimism. I don't know what to call it. I told I text my guy today. We got a group chat going, and me and him are like – me, him, and uh, my little brother are the only three Bears fans in a group chat filled with Packers fans because all a bunch of my friends are in Milwaukee. Oh, boy. And I just told him, I said, hey, bro, I'm not going to lie to you. And and maybe it's just because I, I really believe in Justin Fields, but I think I'm drinking the Kool-Aid out here. And listen, the Kool-Aid is like <laughs> nine wins. Like, I'm not sitting here telling you they finna win 13 games, but I think I'm really I, I'm like, I, I think I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit because this team. I can see how everything fits. And the biggest question mark to me is Justin Fields for once. Mm -hmm. And now I actually feel like, okay, he's, he's taking steps in the right direction. He's working on the things that we actually need him to work on. It seems like he's actually uh, 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 trying to improve on the things that even we have seen on tape, right? Holding the ball too long, not making a decision quick enough or not taking off quick enough. And it seems like early on, at least when nobody's trying to kill him and nobody's in pads, that the coaches are talking about how he's improved upon that. I'm I'm drinking. I might might be drinking a nine win Kool-Aid. I'm not going to lie to you. I might be drinking a nine win Kool-Aid. I I don't, I don't feel great about it, but (laughs) you're optimistic, which you, which you should be every, I mean, every every team, every organization is going to be optimistic right yeah. now. You're going to hear nothing but good reports coming out of OTAs, and it is what it is. OTA, we're in we're in shorts. You know what I'm saying? Like that pass rush ain't coming at you live. Um, you know the offensive line is they, they can say the offensive line looks great. Yeah. yeah, but you know you're getting a rush that's not you know full speed. You know, you got a, a DN rushing at you that's gonna you know as soon as you engage, you've got to slow down the tempo because it's got to remain non-contact practices right now. So. The main thing is, is you want to see is guys getting better with each rep, guys getting better with each practice. And I think um, 
uh, Coach Hightower, he commented on that. He said, there's not a depth chart. There's a rep chart. And that's what, Mm -hmm. you know, guys are getting reps. You're getting better. Every rep's an opportunity to get better, especially for the young guys. They're coming into a new environment, new city, and they've got to get comfortable within the system. They got to get comfortable within their surroundings. They got to build chemistry with their teammates. And, you know, that that's the importance of OTAs. And I can recall our OTAs, Pat, it was it was such a good time because you got to go out there. It's great weather here in Chicago. Yeah. You get to go out there, play football. You get to see some of the guys you haven't seen the whole offseason. So, you know, we we go to OTAs, we practice, then we go bowling together, or yeah. you know, we go to the movies or you know, we barbecue at each other's houses to get on a video game. Or if we weren't at each other's houses, we're playing the video game online, call, a little Call of Duty, you know, keep it competitive there. But all of that is important. All that off the field stuff is important because it, it, it builds the chemistry that you need to have a successful team and to be able to understand, you know, who you're going to go out there and line up with on a daily basis. So you've been on winning teams. You've been on losing teams with this Bears team, right? Uh, at what point in the season? Because OTAs, I say, is kumbaya time. Everybody loves it. Everybody's excited. Everybody's glad mm-hmm. to go out there. Uh, at what point in the season do you be like, hey, man, we might not be that good? Because it's got, there's got to be a point when y'all have to realize it. Because, you know, OT, I seen the taste where it's like, hey, we finna go out here and kill, man. We got You see what he doing out here? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, my first year here, with love, with not my first year in Chicago, but Lovey's first year, we were five and 11. And I can recall as it got later in the season, it was so tough to, one, to just stay focused. You know what I mean? Like it, it's cold and you're going out there at practice. You know, you don't have a chance of making the playoffs. You're not playing well. Nothing is going your way. And it's hard. It's hard. I mean, even, even back then, you can see it in some of the coaches' faces like, man, you know, we're doing everything we can to try to keep the guys focused, to keep them engaged, to keep them motivated. And I'll be honest, as a player, it's tough because, you know, you're thinking about, all right, how many games we got left? We got two games left. We ain't playing well. You know, you got one foot on the practice field <clears throat> and you got one foot on the plane for vacation trying to figure out, you know, how can I get out of here and put this season to rest? So it's tough. You know, the, the main thing is if you have a good, solid locker room like we had, you have yeah. a good core of leaders, you have a good, you know, culture in the building and you have that chemistry. You know, those leaders in that locker room, they're not going to let you, you know, throw in the towel. They're they're not going to let you pack that suitcase early. So, you know, that's the type of leadership that you have to have um, because it's going to be tough. There's going to be adversity thrown your way. Um, You're going to have good games and bad games, but you've got to be able to, you know, have the leadership that's going to make sure that everybody remains on one accord. Everybody's heart is beating to the same drum. And the coach has got to, you know, continue to enforce that and, and find ways to keep their guys motivated. So that way you can put your best foot forward when you take that football field. Hey, man, let's keep it pushing. That's tough. That's tough. It's hard, man. It's very hard. It's hard. Because, I mean, like, I I liken that to – is it – it becomes a job. Yeah. It goes from being – you're playing the game that you love to all of a sudden it's a job. Yeah, it ain't ain't fun. You know, you go (laughs) – we were talking before we got on the pod, and, uh, I mean, it's like, you know, you – having a losing season, man, and, and, you know, you're around town and, you know, you, you go to the gas station, you're pumping gas, and the guy next to you pumping gas, he's looking at you like, hey, hey, like, you guys couldn't score against this team? You, you couldn't do nothing against this team? Like, he's like, hey, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, ain't you McKee? No, nah, that ain't me, man. I don't play for you. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're giving the name up? You're not claiming it? Yeah, man, it's, it's embarrassing. You know, it's, it's, it's frustrating because, you know, we're some of the most competitive, human beings on the face of the planet. Yeah. And you have to be to make it to this level. 
You've got to be super competitive. You know, you've got to be self-motivated. You're going to like as an individual, you're going to hold yourself more accountable than any coach can. So when, when you're going out there and you're not performing well as a team, you know, you start, it, it'll trickle down to, to yourself because now you start questioning your ability. You start questioning, you know, what you're doing. Are you a part of the problem? Or are you a part of the, the solution? Yeah. You want to always be, you know, a part of the, the latter, which is do you want to be a part of the solution and not the problem? So it's tough. You got to have that, that gritty mentality. You've got to have that mindset that, hey, you know, I've, I've got to go out here each and every day and practice, get better, practice, you know, practice all out, give it everything I can. So that way, when you take the field on Sunday, what you've been able to do in practice will translate to that football field on Sunday. So it's a tough situation to be. You know, hopefully we ain't in that situation this year. So I'm going to remain optimistic. Hey, man, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's plenty of Kool-Aid for everybody, man. That, again, you. this is only nine-win Kool-Aid. I'm not giving y'all 13-win mm-hmm. Kool-Aid. 13-win Kool-Aid is red Kool-Aid. We drinking the brown Kool-Aid. If you know right. about the brown Kool-Aid, shout out to you. You got to mix the packets. That's all you need to know. You better put some sugar in that Kool-Aid. If you're not right. putting sugar in, bro, I had an auntie. She said, there's sugar in the packets. I I, I left the house. <laughs> I, I told my mom, I said, come pick me up. I don't want to be here. I'll try that. That's some dark Kool-Aid if you just put the packet in there. Man. We, we need some orange Kool-Aid, man. <laughs> Some orange, like orange flavor. Isn't that funny? Like an orange flavor. We need some orange flavor Kool-Aid. Right? Uh, orange flavor Kool-Aid. I mean, uh, I, the, the brown is basically burnt orange. That's bears. Yeah, you know I mean, brown is basically burnt orange. <laughs> That's the best flavor out there, man. Shout out to the hood. Uh, let's keep it pushing. Let's get to the second quarter here. Second quarter. As uh, we got a couple of no shows to talk about as well, man. I mean, same same no shows as last uh, last mm-hmm. week, right? Jalen Johnson again not here for everybody who was uh, upset at me and J Mac. Did you get any of that on on Twitter at all? Like I got because yeah, I'm, uh, sure I'm sure I did, but you know what? At the same time, I respect it because people are engaged. Yeah. You know, everybody's gonna have differing opinions. Yeah. Um, you know, I just know. I can only speak to it in terms of how I know our locker room would have perceived it. Yeah. But it's a different time and different era. So, you know, I know when we played, if, if it was voluntary, it was man. It was voluntary. So, you know, now I, from what I see now, it's it's. Voluntary is voluntary. You it's, know vo- it's voluntary with just a picture of Olin behind you. It's like, it's like oh, you ever seen you ever seen that meme where it's like the yeah. Undertaker standing behind old boy, and it's like voluntary and just Olin Cruz right here. Picture Olin Cruz with the one eyebrow raised. Hey, when he raises one eyebrow, when that one eyebrow like is higher than the other, you know something's going down. Voluntary. But nah, man. I mean, uh, Alan Williams uh, commented on um, Jalen Johnson's absence, and you know, he he basically talked about kind of that it is voluntary. But the beginning of it is the most interesting to me. No comment. Like, I'm gonna, you know what? I want to say no comment right now because um, no, yeah. And, and I, I, I listen to the, I listen and I read. I, I can read. I, I do listen. Uh, I do. <laughs> and uh, I, I do think this. I let, let me say this. Um, we we would love all our guys to be out there, but the way football is right now, it's um, it is it is optional. And I, I want the guys to be out there because I do feel that we have we bring value. I think we have the best coaching staff in the 
world, uh, the best uh, training staff, the best um, our uh, strength and conditioning staff. Uh, we have the best dietitian. We have the. I think we have the best of everything here. So I want guys to be here, but it is voluntary. So with that in, in mind, any of the players, um, it's uh, they have to make a choice whether they're here or not. And I love the guys that we. Um, I love all my guys. Um, the guys that are here, uh, we're going to coach them up and teach them and. Um, and be the best that we can, the best that we can be. So J-Mac, as a professional, when you hear Coach Williams speaking about Jalen Johnson on voluntary or not voluntary, what does that tell you? So I'm, shout out to Coach Williams. He, he was so eloquent in the way he, he answered that question. He, great coach speak, eloquently, uh, you know, he, he said it eloquently, but what he wanted to say, I'm going to say it for you, Coach, is get your, you know what, here. You should be here. Get your behind here. Yeah. And like I said before, uh, we talked about this last week with it being a distraction, right? Because now, you know, they ask Coach Flues the same thing. They ask Coach Williams the same thing. You know, they, they don't want to talk about guys that aren't that aren't here. Yeah. Their, their whole focus and energy is on the guys that's here. So it becomes a distraction. You know what I'm saying? Instead of talking about other things and – and putting your energy in other places, I've got to talk about and answer questions about guys who wasn't here. And like he said, you know, in that presser, he said, oh, it's voluntary. But he also said, we have the best trainers. We have the best coaches. We have the best dietitians. So in other words, why isn't your you-know-what here? Yeah. It, it's, it's one of those things that I look at, and like you said, it's perfect coach speech. And maybe maybe we are reading too much into it. Maybe it won't affect Jalen Johnson's mm -hmm. future with the Chicago Bears in the slightest. But the thing that that stands out to me is remember last season, Jalen Johnson was a guy who was second on the practice squad or, or not on the practice squad. He was second on the uh, he's playing with the second team, I should say, yeah. um, um, in OTAs and, and a little bit in training camp, I believe. Right. He was he was the guy who was, you know, uh, essentially demoted. I know that they were like, it's not a demotion. Everybody rotates in and out and i literally looked on the other side of the field and i was like well kyla gordon ain't went down yeah like, like everybody's rotating in and out there's some people that haven't rotated in or out here they did the same thing to tevin jenkins they were like everybody rotates in and i was like braxton jones been with the ones the entire time so <laughs> right. i just i it, it's coach speech but i think that it spoke volumes and i think that it tells you now he did here's the thing he also gave praise to jalen johnson after that yep. he talked about jalen johnson as a as an intelligent player a guy who uh understands the game of football who's able to get after it. he he's not telling you that jalen johnson is a terrible football player but to me this says listen my guy um we thought you were going to be taking this step and and we kind of still have to have you here because you're not here. Yeah, and, and I know, man, Jalen Johnson is a great player. He's he's a he's you know he's a great corner. He'll be a great corner. He knows he knows what's at stake this year. It's a contract year for him. So I know he's working. I know he's yeah. putting in work. You know, I know he's going to be ready when he comes back, whenever that is. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, as a coach, when you when you have the opportunity to have all of your guys and you're taking that practice field, you want them there because it's an opportunity to get better as a unit. You know what I'm saying? You have to play like and in, one individual isn't going to shine over a unit. You know, it takes a whole unit to be able to make plays, to get those takeaways on defense that you want to get. And, you know, with him, the benefit there, uh, the benefit of having him here is one, you know, your presence, your leadership in the locker room. But you also have the ability to, to mentor, 
you know, the young guys. You brought in some corners you drafted. And you have opportunity to help them learn the system, to help them grow, to accelerate that process. But you're also building chemistry with those guys. You know, yeah. you're the leader of the secondary and you're not here. So that's what, you know, I think that's the frustrating part as a coach when when your guys aren't here and they can add other things that you can't add as a coach off the field, you know, outside of outside of uh, the building or not on the practice field, you don't have that. You don't have that opportunity now because you're not present. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the point that we were trying to make last week that everybody, mm -hmm. you know, had an issue with us saying is it, it's right. impossible for you to take that step if you're not on the field, which listen, I mean, that's just, that's common sense. Like <laughs> he, he can't lead from, from down South and, and he might be with his trainers. He might be with his, I'm not telling you that, that Jalen Johnson is not working. What I'm telling you is that he was looked at as that guy. He was looked at as the leader of the DB, the guy that's going to take the next step, the guy that's that's going to get this contract, right? We did Nobody came into this season thinking, oh, Jalen Johnson isn't going to get his money. We're like, oh, he's, he's probably going to end up getting his contract. He's yep. going to be able to take a step now with a defensive line in front of him. We're excited to see what he's going to become. With him not being here, you may not think of it as a as a big deal in the in the grand scheme of things, but the realistic part is the coaching staff seems to think of it as – yeah, we would love for him to be here, but we can't do anything about him not being here. Yeah. And that, that's the part that's tough. Yeah, Somebody else who wasn't here, though, uh, Nate Davis, a no-show again. Flus talked about this one uh, a, a little bit, him not being here. Um, basically kind of reiterating the same points when it came to Nate Davis. A good point. Uh, we certainly feel a little bit more comfortable because he has been in the system and uh, he knows the zone scheme and the down schemes and uh, really similar in terms of the line coaching is very similar to that. Uh, but uh, again, we, we would like everybody here. Uh, we think it's invaluable for guys to be here. We'll coach the guys that are here. By the way, that key word at the end of that, invaluable. We think that it's invaluable for guys to be here. But the question that was asked was, do you think that it'll be easier for Nate Davis because the scheme is similar to what he played, pretty much the same as what he played in last season. How, how would you rate that? How, when a scale of easiest to hardest, um, going from a scheme that you're somewhat familiar with already, just maybe the terms are a little bit different. How is that transition? It's easier, but I'm still, you know, I look at it like this, right? The scheme may be similar, but the players around you are totally different. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So regardless if it's, you know, he's talking about their outside zone scheme and he knows, you know, the down blocking and things of that nature that they're doing in terms of that run game. But your personnel is different. You know, that tackle you're going to play against, uh, play next, uh, who's going to play next to you is different. Yeah. That center is different. Cody Whitehair just got moved back to center. You know, it's different. So you don't have, like like we talked about with, with Jalen Johnson and guys who aren't here being able to, understand who you're playing with, you know, who understanding, you know, different things that they like to do, getting a feel, building that chemistry with the guys around you. He's missing that opportunity. And that's why you hear flu say it's invaluable, you know, for, for, for him, him not being there's invaluable. He's missing invaluable opportunities. And, you know, him being a guy that you just signed as free agent, you know, if I, if I'm in that locker room, you know, and I, I see a guy that we just, you know, pay some good money to come here as free agent who we, we're bringing in to help our football club. And he's not there. And I'm and I'm one of the guys who've been in that locker room for a long time looking around like, man, like, you know, where's our starting guard at? This yeah. isn't important to him. 
you know, yeah, this that's the thing. he's the starter. <laughs> right. this is important to you. So, and I'm sure he's working, you know, I think he's going to be a good player for us this year. But like we said before, it's the same thing. When you have an opportunity, right, whether it's voluntary or mandatory or whatever, when you have an opportunity to, to get your guys together on that practice field, right, to get reps, you know, though, that's that's an invaluable, oppor- invaluable opportunity that you have to take it full advantage of. And that's what he's missing right now. I mean, you've got to build chemistry with your quarterback. Like you don't even you don't know you don't know the guys in your own meeting room right now. And it's one thing to text and FaceTime guys, but if I'm not out there going through the grind with them, it's totally different. Yeah, and I, I think that the biggest difference is, like you said, you mentioned earlier, right? Like it's a different OTAs than you went through when you were at OTAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys now are very much, right? Like, hey, man, he got to live his own life. Like when he get here, he gets here. We're going to work him in. We're going to figure this out. But like, I'm not going to tell him, you know, what he needs to be here, grown man. I feel like... It, before, right, in, in a different era of football, it would have been, you know, a couple players showing up at his crib like, hey, my boy, we got <laughs> practice to get to and you ain't there. Like, what's going on with that? Like, so I, I think mm-hmm. that there, there is that aspect of it. And I, I think, like like you said, it's not just new players. There's a rookie next to you. There's a rookie right tackle on your right side. And, yes, I do think he's going to be really good, but he's a rookie. Like, yeah. that's an entirely different thing. To me, that's a part where, you know, He's trying to figure out how he plays, and now he's also got to figure out how you play standing next to him. Again, the the one thing that we do want to point out, though, uh, Flus did say neither of these guys has given any indication that they're going to miss anything mandatory. Mm-hmm. So Jalen Johnson should be there for training camp. Hopefully he'll be there for training camp. We'll see uh, what the contract situation is, because at this point it, it feels like a contract holdout uh, or at least stating the message of, hey, I'm I'm not happy with where we're at in the contract talks right now. With Nate Davis, I don't know. Nate Davis is a weird one. It's like you got your contract. Like where where are you at? <laughs> right. That's that's what's that's what's uh, you know puzzling about it. But at the same time, you know, like I'm I'm gonna go with the old coach speak, like Coach Williams said and, and Coach Flew said. I'm worried about and investing all my energy into the guys that are here. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Period. That's that's what it comes down to. Hey man, let's keep it pushing. We had halftime, man. Halftime, the time of the show. We could talk about anything. I told y'all I was gonna tell y'all this story about me being an idiot child. Uh <laughs> the tough part is I was like 16 years old. So I was like an idiot, but it was like you're almost about to go out into the real world. So Coach Kaz was our head coach. During the summertime, uh, I went out to play football just with my brother and them. And they had the football team practicing at the park. There's a big old false park. There's a big part where you could just practice football. All that. So we out there playing. Kyle saw me playing. It was like, man, you should, are you in the high school? I was like, yeah. He said, you should try out for the football team. I think I was playing defense. I ended up picking somebody off, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, my mom, not going to let me try out for the football team. And he was like, I'll talk to your mom. Don't worry about it. So I hand him. He's never talked to my mom, clearly. So I hand him the phone. I call her right there. And I'm like, you convince her to to let me play football. I'll play football. So he talked to my mom for probably 15 minutes, handed the phone back. He was like, you're not going to be playing this year, son. (laughs) Because moms was not going. Because this was her thing. She always said, if you get hurt, I'm not taking care of you. That's your daddy job because he lets you do it. So my dad was like, you're not playing football. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be sitting here nursing you back to health. So, and of course, my mom would have nursed me back to health if I needed it. But like, 
she was just making a point. But <laughs> at the end of the day, um, I want to play football because all of a sudden I'm like, oh, the coach want me to play? Like, I kind of want to play. And I was in the marching band. So I devised this plan. The marching band is at every game. So she's not going to She wasn't coming to watch me play the drums. <laughs> she's not going to know if I played football that day or not. Here's where being dumb comes in. Football is a collision sport. I wanted to play safety. And at no point in my mind of devising this plan did I think you might actually get hurt and have to go home and explain that to your moms. So what did I do? <laughs> I forged my mom's signature. Oh, boy. I took it to Kaz. I said she changed her mind when I got home and said I could play. I don't know whether he checked with her or not. I'm assuming not because I showed up for summer practices. I went out there, probably made a couple of plays. You know, I was feeling good and I'm hype and I'm trying to work hard and prove that I'm the hard working football player. And I had a play. I think our running back was I'm trying to remember if it was Marvin Warfield at that time or Khalil. I don't remember who was running, but run the ball out. Mm-hmm. I make a good read. I'm coming downhill hard. Boom! Drop the shoulder. <laughs> Go to high five somebody. The arm didn't come back up. Oh boy! <laughs> I look down at my shoulder. My shoulder is now about three inches low. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> so the coaches come over and they're like, "Pat, Pat come they're like, come here." I'm like, "Coach, I." I can't, I can't go, no, I can't lift my arm. And like, okay, we got, we got to take you to the hospital. I'm like, you can't take me to the hospital. You can't, I can't go to the hospital because if I go to the hospital, you got to call my mama. I'm trying to tell you. you call my mama, I'm going to die. He was like, I mean, I could pop the, I could pop your shoulder back in, but you can never <laughs> tell anyone that I popped your shoulder back in. Man. So he grabs my arm. Says, I'm going to go on the count of three. I'm like, all right, all right, bet coach, bet coach. One, boom, popped it back in. Oh, oh my God, please, Jesus, this is the greatest, worst feeling I've ever had in my life. Cause I, I don't know if anybody's ever dislocated anything like, like your shoulder or, or like a knee or something. The blood that cuts off, that feeling of the blood returning to that part of your body mm. is the wildest thing in the world. I'm telling you. So, Moral of the story is I was so dumb. I didn't think I could get hurt playing football. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I come home. My mom's like, what's, what's wrong with your shoulder? What's wrong with your arm? I'm like, nothing. I just, I was playing basketball. I fell down real hard. I messed myself up. Like, I'm coming up with all kinds of lies. And at the end of the day, I end up just telling her one day, I was like, you know, I tried. I, I, I was playing football, right? And she was like, I know. You're just stupid. Like, I, I knew what she was doing. Like, it wasn't even good lies. Like, <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Dog, so, yeah. yeah, Coach Kaz, Coach so Coach Kozlowski played for yeah. the Bears as well. So yeah, those Coach, Glenn, Glenn, Coach Glenn Kozlowski was uh, yeah. he, he was on the '85 Bears, and he was uh we did not win a lot of games under Kaz. I will say that we did not win a lot of football games. But like I said many times, North Chicago was a very basketball school, so we had like 215 pound linemen. Mm. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that tells you all you need to know. And because the basketball team was so good, we had to go to the next level. So I think we played it. I want to say we played it 5A, 4A or 5A, one of them. Yeah. So it was like all the big schools. So we playing Lake Forest. Lake Forest coming out with, God dang, remember the Titans on the other side. <laughs> and North Chicago had, you know, the starting two guard. 
playing center. You know what I mean? So, hey, big yeah. shout out to the North Chicago football team, man. They doing some good things out there, man. Let's get that program back in order, man. Let's get it going. Uh, let's keep this thing moving along, man, bro. That story. That story always makes my shoulder hurt, bro. I'm not going to lie. I will say this. I will say this. For all the people that be making fun of old people talking about they can feel it in their bones when something is going to happen. Bro, that's real. I can feel it in my shoulder if it's going to rain. I'm telling you, hey, I've seen a lot of guys, you know, even in high school. And, you know, you come out football. Yeah, I'm going to play football. A lot of guys retired after that first hit or the first day in pads. You know, <laughs> get hit, boom. Yeah, I think I'm just going to stick to soccer, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm How y'all gonna- doing, man? I'm a lot of guys. <laughs> Yeah, and if you see, hey, any 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 tackling or any hitting drill, when you when you see the guy starting to count the numbers of who he's going against, okay, one, two, three, oh yeah, I ain't, I ain't yeah, I, I, ain't, I ain't going against him. Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys retire early in high school. Man, I I just listen. I, I realize you know I like basketball. I love baseball. Those are the two sports because for the most part, ain't nobody punching me in the face on purpose. You know what I mean? Like I will say that. Uh, let's keep it moving, man, because we got more bears to talk about in this mug, man. Let's get into the third quarter. quarter. As the Chicago Bears are interested in a lot of free agents per Coach Flues. He talked about how uh, the Bears are keeping their eyes open all the way till, you know, the start of the season. Um, Is there somebody in this free agent list that you think is really standing out to this bears team that maybe they're just waiting for the price to go down on, because I think that's why we haven't seen a signing on a lot of these guys, right? Leonard Floyd's coming off a great season. Yannick and Gakway coming off a great season. These are guys that are, that are going to have good size contracts on most teams, or at least believe they should have good size contracts. Is there somebody that you're looking at that this bears team might be able to bring in that uh, they're waiting just for the price to drop? Yeah, and, and and I think tomorrow is June first, so that's a big, you know, that's a day. huge one. So there's going to be a lot more uh, free agents available. A lot of veteran players who play at a high level in this league who will be appealing to the Bears. And, and like Coach Lou said, you know, and 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 they're always going to look to improve their roster. You know, in terms of guys who can come in, guys guys who are fit within their scheme, and guys that can help elevate this team. You know, week in and week out on Sunday. So. They're going to always scour that free agent wire. They're always going to look to, you know, find guys who are available. Uh, intriguingly, you know, it depends on who's going to be cut tomorrow. But, you know, I know we have a lot of running backs, but I know Dalvin Cook is is a, is a rumored cut June 1st. Um, I'm a huge Dalvin Cook fan, and I know we got a lot of running backs, but Dalvin Cook, he fits our scheme to a T. You know, we're, we, we major in outside zone, and Dalvin Cook is one of the elite outside zone running running backs in this league. He has all the, the he has the skill set to really excel uh, it running the outside zone scheme. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see. I don't think the Bears will bring him in just because of the backs that we have. And uh, Khalil Herbert also excels you know, in his outside zone running scheme. And, and Coach Flues gave him a lot of praise in his presser. But, you know, he, he would be one of the guys, you know, that would be intriguing on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, you know, Pat, we talked about this a lot in Talk about your guy, Yannick and uh, – how do you say his last name? Yannick and Gakway. Exactly. I always butcher his name. But Yannick and Gakway, a guy that can, you know, get to the quarterback. He gets sacks. He puts he gets quarterback hits. Uh, I think his biggest question mark is how does he play the run? Uh, that's why, you know, he he's still available. Uh, Frank Clark is a guy, you know, who would be available. Um, I think Melvin Ingram is available. He's a little older, so I don't think in terms of his age, does he fit 
the profile in terms of the type of players the Bears are trying to bring here. The Bears are trying to bring youth here to this team. Yeah. Guys that are that are youthful. Um, and Melvin Ingram's on you know you know on the opposite side of thirty, so I don't think he's a guy they would consider. But there's a ton of names out there, and then there's always going to be some surprise names that you that you wouldn't expect to be cut that may be available uh, tomorrow after they make this June first cut. So you know, those are some of the guys that that that's intriguing to me. Uh, I'm not Ryan Poles, so I don't have that pressure. But <laughs> we know we know Poles is going to do uh, the good thing. I like about Poles, and I've said it over and over again, is you know he's not going to take on a big contract just because he's always going to put the organization first in terms of setting setting ourselves up to be competitive year in and year out in terms of the draft free agency uh, and things of that nature so you know he's gonna I think he'll make the right choice but if there's somebody that's appealing to him I know he's not gonna hesitate to pull the trigger to me I look at those June 1st cuts as I, I, I like the Dalvin Cook name you brought up. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Not to say that the Bears are going to go out and get him because I do think the Bears are feeling that they have the the cheaper option of that already, right? Khalil can run the outside scheme. Roshan, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Deontay Foreman can, can a little bit outside, more so a guy between the tackles. But I think you're covering a lot of right different ground with, with three different guys there, uh, including Roshan Johnson, who might be the guy that apparently can do all of it. Um, it's, but it is interesting to see, okay, is there a, we're going to go out and get this guy at a discount, even though we have these guys in the room, he still fits this scheme and we can get him for a little of nothing. That makes more sense than not getting him at all. I think there's a couple of guys on there to me that are like that. Yannick Ngakwe, I think is the one that stands out to me the most because when I look at him, I don't understand why he's not signed. I don't get why a team isn't willing to pick him up. And if it's the contract situation, right? Listen, it's not like Yannick Ngakwe is done playing football. At a certain point, unfortunately, right, the player doesn't have the leverage if everybody's like, we're not bringing you in at that price. You've got to come down to our price. Is that a situation where, right, he's already worked with Fluce? I believe he was there when Fluce was there. I think he's worked with Fluce already in that system, understands the system, would be able to come in here, even if it's later on in training camp, because that's something you have to think about as well, right? It's not just you coming in at that point. It's, okay, are they playing a system that fits my style though? Yes, they now they're going to bring me in at this price, but am I going to be able to fit in there? How who are the players that are around me? I think there's all those things to take into account and if it gets in the long game man, like I think him, I think a guy like Jadavion Clowney even could be interesting. I know a lot of people are like past Clowney, completely off of Clowney. I'm just like Mm-hmm. he's not lived up to where he was drafted, but you're not spending the draft capital that they drafted him for. You're spending money that the Bears actually have. Can he go out there and just fit a role? He didn't fit in in Cleveland in the slightest. Maybe he fits a little more here. Those are, those are the two that I'm kind of I'm kind of looking at. I don't know if there's anything on the offensive side, really, that gets me excited. You, you trying to do Ryan Tannehill? Ryan Tannehill probably gone. <laughs> nah, you're not trying to do Ryan Tannehill a little backup action. Yeah, you got your backups, and you got you got the guys who you want. You're not gonna pay Ryan Tannehill arm and a leg just to be to have good penmanship. You know what I'm saying to uh, to chart plays and stuff like that. Because obviously mm-hmm. Justin's your guy. You brought in PJ Walker as the backup. Then they yeah. signed up uh, Peterman too, right? Peterman, yeah, Peterman is still here. Yeah. Uh, so you you got your guys in that quarterback room. Um, you know, I think like you said, interesting to see. You know, uh, Coach Flues was talking about pass rush in his presser today. And he was talking yeah. about their green rush team. Yeah. And I like that 
they're creating different scenarios. They're creating competition within that position group. You know, who you say, who, who is the four that's going to make that green rush team? Green rush team, meaning the four down, the four D lineman that's going to be on the field in pass situation. Like there's competition right there. Like who's going to be the best four pass rushers, you know, out there. So, you know, they're always going to look to improve. But, you know, like we said, guys got to step up and continue to get better. You know, Travis Gibson, I know he talked about him. Uh, I know Coach Williams actually talked about him in his press conference saying that, you know, he looks stronger. He looks faster. You know, it's these guys second year in the system, too. So, you know, like we talked about with Justin Fields, you know, these defensive linemen, they're going to feel more comfortable. They're going to understand, you know, what their role is. So they can go out there and just play faster without having to think. Um, so, you know, we got to get pressure on the quarterback. And, and he talked about, you know, I know somebody in that presser asked, uh, are there ways that you can generate pressure without with, with when your front four isn't getting pressure? Yeah. And he talked about, yeah, you bring secondary pressure. I mean, if you bring a safety corner blitz or you start blitzing linebackers. Now, the only thing about that is you leave yourself vulnerable on the back end. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's 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 you know, it's you. You obviously you want to get pressure with your front four. This defense is predicated, uh, you know, predicated for it. You know, when we, when we ran a similar defense back when I played, you know, we were able to get pressure. You know, you had Adewale Ogunle, yeah. Tommy Harris, Tank Johnson, Alex Brown. You know, you had guys who were getting after the quarterback. They really, you know, fueled this defensive system uh, to have success. And, you know, if, if you can't get pressure with your front four, then you're going to be in trouble. We saw that last year. So not hope that we're able to, you know, those guys that I mentioned, like the Travis Gibsons and, you know, guys they drafted. Hopefully they can they can take that next step and, you know, turn this thing around defensively because if we have to resort to to doing other things schematically in terms of bringing linebackers and bringing secondary pressure, we're gonna that's really gonna affect us, you know, in the passing game. So we'll see we'll see what happens. You know, obviously if there's a guy that fits like we talked about, you know, in Gokwe, a guy who can get pressure, yeah. but what is his price tag? So I think that those are all things that you know, the good man, Ryan Poles, it has to figure out. The good man, Ryan Poles. Man, Ryan Poles. <laughs> That's what he shall be known for from henceforth on the Chicago Bears podcast. The good man, Ryan Poles. I, I like how you bring up the D-line, though. Is Let's transition to the fourth quarter on this. Fourth quarter. Because I think that it was interesting. It was something subtle that that Flu said, and I don't. Most people probably didn't pay attention to it or think that it was it was a big deal. But we've really talked about right Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens mm-hmm. being those number one guys. We've talked about them as if they're going to come in and be able to just have this impact of a second round pick. Um, they should be quick uh, uh, to be able to go out there and make plays. But realistically, right, there are vets on this team. And I thought that it was very interesting that Flus brought out the fact that Andrew Billings and uh, uh, Justin Jones have really been leading the way on this defensive line on for the uh, uh, on the on the first unit. Right. So this is not a, a foregone conclusion that. These young guys are going to step up and be the end all be all pieces. You would hope that they do. You would hope that at least one of them pans out to be your future three technique. But Flus is sticking with the veteran guy. Speak to that a little bit. Do you do you like when somebody's taken there, even if there's more talent, right? Do you like the no, we're going to stick with our veteran guys. We're going to ride it out with them because they're the leaders on this team. Or do you put best talent available on the field? Yeah, you're going to put, I mean, if it's really about competition, right, you're going to put whoever whoever wins that that job. You know, it's about competition. So 
regardless of their young guys, regardless of what round they got drafted. And if you're out there producing, you're out, if you're out there making plays and you're doing what you're supposed to do and you're the best player, well, then I think they're going to put you out there regardless of how many years you play in the league and, and all that stuff. So it's just a matter of creating competition. Like he said, you brought in those young guys to push those older guys who, yeah. who didn't have the greatest of seasons last year. But on the flip side, those vets know that, hey, these young guys are breathing down my neck. So I got to go out here and I got to continue to elevate my game because if not, they're going to have no problem inserting those guys because they were drafted so high. So, you know, it, it, it's tough. You know, you look at it in terms of, you know, I'm a veteran and I one, you know, I got to worry about my job. But at the same time, as a leader in, in, in and a part of building a good culture is I have to mentor and groom a guy, right, who they brought in to take my job. Yeah. And that's what's so you know tough about this league. You have guys that are OK with that role, but then you have guys that don't even want to accept that role because they're like, hey, I can't teach this rook to, to be better than me because I won't be here next year. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe even this year after training camp, you know what I'm saying? So it's tough. But when you have a good culture and a good team chemistry and you're not worried about that because you're like, hey, you know what? the better I'm able to help accelerate his development, the better we will be as a defensive line, the better we'll be as a team. And, you know, the better it is for an organization because um, when you have that type of competition within position groups, it's going to elevate the play of everybody. So it's a tough situation for those vets to be in. But at the same time, you know, those rooks, if, if those vets are really taking them under their wing, you know, they got a good opportunity to contribute to this team early. Yeah, I, and I, I think it speaks to the fact that, right, like, everybody's going to get a chance. You may not be on the field the most amount of time. I think this goes to the vets, too, right? Like, you may not be on the field the most amount of time. But running that 42 nickel, dog, like, you got linemen swapping in like hockey players out here. Yeah. Like, you're going to have a ton of guys moving in and out of the uh, out of the line. And it, it it's... It's why I love the fact that they went out and drafted Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens because they're two guys that I can see playing multiple positions on the line. I could see, uh, I can see Justin Jones having that ability, maybe not edge ability, but but being able to you know flip flop in the middle. Um, Andrew Billings just, I mean, thought, I, I saw this man the other day because I kept hearing everybody say he's a monster. Man, this dude is huge, like, like he's a mountain, and he's not slow. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, bro, I get again. I pick the right sports: baseball, basketball, bro. Because, like, bro, like my man's look like Shaq. I could not be on the offensive end of the football and see that coming at me and just be like, "No, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with this." Yep. Like, he's gonna tackle me, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be. Hey, you, you gotta have a couple screws loose to play this game, man. You know, it's 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 not like you know. It's funny because we look at youth football, right? There's in, in the state of Illinois, youth football. There, you know, you're matched up on on each team according to your weight. Yeah, and I hate that because now you're you're asking kids to lose weight or gain weight. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, mm. when when that ball's kicked off, right? I can't pair I can't pair you up in terms of who you're going to get tackled by, who you're going to get hit by. That's not real football, you know. Yeah. So it's 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 so important as coaches for us being able to, especially with the youth, be able to teach them the fundamentals of tackling properly. You know what I mean? Head up, get your head out of the tackle. So that way we limit the amount of injuries. You limit the amount of concussions. So that's why, you know, coaching and development is, is so important at every level, because if, if you're coaching individuals the right way, if you're if you're overemphasizing the fundamentals, 
the better a football player you make, but the safer you'll make the environment for the game. And then you have, you know, you won't have that that issue of, you know, numbers being down in terms of kids playing football. So yeah. coaches, you know, we have to continue to coach, continue to grow the game. Do you like uh, Coach Hightower talked about a little bit? Do, do you like the changes that are being made on the special team side of things where, you know, I mean, like it, it feels like they've made special teams as safe as they possibly could. But at the end of the day, a special teams like it's a it's literally a war where it's like, all right, I'm going to start running. You start running. We're going to meet in the middle of this thing. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I took the same attitude that Coach Hightower had. He said, hey, I'm not going to lose any sleep. or I'm not going to gain any sleep on it. Yeah. You know, he said it's Turner's job to make the decision whether or not to field or not field the ball. So, you know, I leave it like that. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, special teams, and we talked about this before, so a lot of the guys on this roster, right, the bubble guys, the guys who you talk about, uh, he talked about Dante Pettis and, and Bayless Jones, you know, like those guys, it's a battle. It's a battle because, you know, somebody on that roster in, in that wide receiver room ain't going to be there. You know, somebody, you know, in the running back room ain't going to be there. Some, some, some of these linebackers, you know, aren't going to be there. And what's going to, de- what's the determining factor that's going to determine whether or not you're going to be there is special teams. Yeah. So, you know, the young guys, if I can give them any advice or any young football player advice, you know, it's called special teams for a reason. So you got to treat it like it's special. You, you've got to go out there all out every single play and, and, and put your stamp on it. So that way, you can be noticed and you can be a part of this team. You're not on the outside looking in. So it's going to be some great competition. You know, even talked about, you know, they got a backup punter in camp now and a backup kicker, regardless of, you that know, is what, interesting. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know, what Carlos Santos did last year, you know, they, they, they brought in, they brought in people to create competition. The Cairo level. flex was hilarious. He was like, he's like, I can't believe we said he's breaking up special teams. He was like, he was like, hey man, he was a top five kicker last season. I was yeah. like, that just tells me the kicking was bad last year. Because <laughs> Cairo was not great. Like we can't sit here and yeah. act like he was great. But uh, he, I guess, he was good enough for them. That's that's what they mm-hmm. say. It's it's just interesting because it's. I feel like all the coaches have just taken that stance, but all the players seem to hate it. Yeah. On the on the new special team. Like all the players are like, all right, listen, are we playing football or not, bro? Like, yeah, like exactly. Exactly. It's tough, man. You don't want to take that out of the game. It's a it's a part of the game. You know what I mean? If you I mean you start the game with kickoff or kickoff return. You know, one one or the other. You're gonna start on one or the other. That's that's how the game is played. That's how it's been played. So, you know, I, I I'd be I, you know, the next thing they're gonna do is like I know this year's a trial run for it, but the next step is removing it completely. You know, how do you then how do you start the game? Yeah. Whoever wins the coin toss, you just start off on offensive defense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That or do it how like the XFL did. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. I, I I watched a little XFL this year. I'm not gonna sit here and act like I watched the weekend and week out, but I watched a couple of games because I was like, I wanna see, yeah, you know, and it listen, it was better football because it was like the very last cuts from all the NFL rosters automatically got a spot. So you saw players that it was like, we want to keep you, but like yep. we got this dude, right? So you're seeing NFL bottom level talent basically um make the make these teams. But they kickoff was like everybody starts at the fifty, yep. you know, kick this ball off, and then y'all fight it out, meet in the middle as you may. But it's not like a forty yard collision, basically. So yeah, they're playing patty cake. That's what I call it, patty <laughs> cake. That's patty cake. Let me just get in front of you. That ain't football, man. I'm old school. You know what I mean? I I, I was I was the wedge captain on a wedge. Yeah. You know, Israel Donage on one side. I'm in the middle, and John Gilmore playing the Green Bay Packers, and they got yeah. a defensive end. That runs a four four lined up at the five, 
and we're running middle return. And he's screaming down, you know, downfield, coming down 100 miles an hour. And yeah. you talk about your shoulder, Pat. You know, I got to take him on. And then I got to stay out there for the offensive series. And my shoulder's already barking at me. Hey, yeah. it's football. It's football, man. Uh, that's uh, it's 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 one of those things where it's like if you're gonna take the rules this far, right? It's better to take it out of the game. Take it out of the game because the, clearly you don't want it, right? Like clearly you're you're sitting here trying to hold on to this the the three phases thing, which you know there'll still be punting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you're sitting here trying to hold on to this kickoff when every rule you've made since Devin Hester has been we're going to basically try and dumb this down as much as possible until we can get it to the point where it's hundred percent safe. It's the, it's, it's football. It's not going to be hundred percent safe. You can get, you can improve the equipment. You can improve the players tackling. You can improve the mindset of the players, which I think they have, right? Like we don't have a ton of Vontez Burfitts <clears throat> running around anymore. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know anybody in the NFL that I look at and I'm just like, nah, he's trying to kill you. <laughs> Even though y'all are supposed to be brothers. Like, I don't think he like y'all. Like he he's the estranged stepbrother, um, but no, I I don't know, man. That's that was that was a weird that's a weird way to end. It ended on special teams, man. But we got J Mac here, man. A Hall of Fame special team around here, man. At, uh, at some point, at some point, <laughs> at some point. I don't I don't know, man. <laughs> hey, man. Appreciate you guys for showing love as always. It's been another episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page. We will be back tomorrow for another episode. Courtney Cronin back in the building talking about what she saw at OTAs yet again and reacting to some of these June 1st cuts, possibly. I don't know. When when can they start cutting them? Maybe she won't. Maybe she'll be here too early. When can they start cutting people? That's a real question. Uh, but hey, we appreciate you guys for showing love. As always, your boy Pat, the designer, back at it again. Joined by J-Mac. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Peace.